going to say a little bit about attitude this morning, the yogi, the, the attitude of the yogi, the sort of things that we go through on our journey um, and what kind of attitude we might want to develop or might need to develop in order to progress. And I'm not going to say smoothly because it's not a smooth ride. <laughs> it's a very, very uh, deep and often extremely challenging journey to reclaim our spiritual consciousness, not just our spiritual consciousness, to reclaim our vitality, to reclaim our ordinary consciousness. You know, we are fighting to reclaim, and it's a campaign that we have to be ardently committed to in order to be successful. These aren't just practices to make us feel better here. This is something to realign us to what a human being is meant to be by way of how our functions are supposed to work properly. The disparity between the way we live as human beings and the way we are designed to live and the way we're designed to engage our experience consciously, the disparity between that and the way we are currently engaging our experience is so extraordinary. It's like, I'm, I was trying to think of an analogy. It's like we're using the wrong equipment to do what we're doing. Um, to live the life that a modern human being lives, the equipment that this body gives us is not the right equipment for it, unfortunately. You know, this equipment is it's like it's wasted. This human body is wasted on the life that we are currently choosing to live. It has so much more potential. It's like basically, I, I mean, I loathe these things, you know, the iPhone and everything. It's like, like using your iPhone to watch television and only that. <laughs> you know, it's got so many other things it can do and it's not particularly well designed for watching TV. But that's what we do with it. So in a way, it's kind of like uh, this physical body and what we do with it now. You know, it's a horror for it to have to go through what we put it through. And the only way our human body can cope with the way we choose to live is by shutting down. So that we can't feel what we're doing to it. This is a strong talk, my friends, but I, I'm, I, I want to give this talk because you, if you are wanting to transform yourself back into the very heart essence of what you are and to live that, there are huge choices to make and there are big challenges to take on. Um, and internal alchemy is really only a, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a doorway in to something that actually needs to be integrated into our lives completely in order for it to really bring our fruits. And it's not just for the fruits of spiritual, of internal alchemy that we're doing this. We're doing this to wake up to what a human being is. 
so that we can look into our life and ask serious questions about what are we needing to change here? Because what's happening is, from our state of being that we've got ourselves into, we're looking into our lives and going, things have got to change, but we haven't got anything like the capacity, the spiritual capacity, the sort of tenacity as a, as a being, to take on the challenges that we see in front of us, and so we don't make the changes that we need to. I did a series of interviews last week, which we'll publish over the coming week, talking about this kind of thing. You know, what does the modern yogi's life look like? And even, you know, in the olden days, a yogi was something. You know, it was a life choice. Someone went forth and a highly revered part of society was the one who lived simply for the purposes of seeking spiritual liberation, and often for the benefit of others. Now we're being asked to make the changes that seem far too great for us when we look at it from the perspective that we had before we engaged in spiritual practice. So we feel overwhelmed by the idea or we feel like, well, what's happening to my life if I have to make all these changes? The role the hugely important, the crucial role of this attitude. So even we, at some point, because it's slightly a, a loaded term, yogi, but one who embodies that attitude towards life is one who becomes equipped to make the changes that life is asking of us now because we are not equipped. We're in a time where very, very, at a very accelerated rate, we have to embrace change. We've got to ask brave, penetrating questions about our lives and come up with answers. That's a warrior's stance, and we need to become that kind of person and quickly to find the courage that we need. So this is why I'm sharing these teachings, and I'm sharing the sharp end of them with you, and I'm aware of that. And, you know, I take my hat off to you, the fact that you are learning these within the context of your daily life and working hard to integrate these teachings and practices. But it's my hope that, you know, across the world now more people will be starting to think like this. I see what I need to do, and it seems a little bit unpalatable when I look at it from where I am now. You know, two years ago, as we came into all that we've just been through, but also as we looked at the world and went, we have to slow down. You know, we're quite horrified by the thought of what we'd have to give up to do it. Now, as you're starting to at least appreciate the joy of simplicity and the yogi's way of life, now you see this as an opportunity rather than an imposition. You know, when someone has something taken away from them because they just can't have it anymore, that creates aversion in our mind and it creates a resistance. Whereas to joyfully give up what doesn't serve us is relief. I'm teaching this to you 
because I want you to get to that place where you see what you have to do. We all see what we have to do. And instead of it being a scary thing, it becomes an extraordinary opportunity to do something so wholeheartedly that we might never have otherwise considered doing that is going to serve us not just in this lifetime, but for lifetimes to come, but is also going to make a relief out of the choices that are being put in front of us or the challenges that are put in front of us. The choices, the changes we're going to have to make become a relief to the yogi whereas they might become you know, a complete violation of my idea of what I feel myself to be entitled to from our previous perspective. So this is really the reason that I'm inviting you to, to learn these practices, not just internal alchemy, but all of this that I'm sharing with you. This is the path of the yogi. It's an ancient path. It's been walked for thousands of years. But it's been walked by people in a time where there wasn't a sense of urgency about embarking upon it. It was a choice. For you, it's a choice. You are still, even though you feel this is an extremely challenging time, you are still in the unbelievably fortunate and privileged situation of being able to make the choice to give up the things that aren't serving you and that are detrimental to yourself and others. There will come a time where we don't have a choice. These things are just taken away from us, not by our authorities, and, but because what, our life can't support itself in that way anymore. Now, when those things get taken away and there's no preparation and there's no reflection and there's no openness to the necessity of it, there's a tremendous amount of anguish that that creates, which you are avoiding for yourself by doing this work. And this is why I'm wanting to share it with you. This is the path out of suffering. Now I'm saying this this morning because the path itself doesn't, isn't a smooth ride. You have to work very hard for it. But when you are working hard for it and it's putting you through your paces and it's challenging you with things that take you to the limit sometimes, you are ennobling yourself every time you take on that challenge. And you are stepping further along the line out of path, out of suffering every time you let go into it. It is absolutely a warrior's path. You know, this is not a fluffy towel uh, process. This is not something you can go away and have a nice, easy time of. This takes grit and it takes tenacity and it takes courage to do honestly and commit, com committedly or to take ourselves through this journey. So... Think about it like that. You know, I'm going to tell you this story. <laughs> it came up last year. And funnily enough, when I was telling you the story, or telling the story last year, we had a power cut and nobody heard it. I'm going to tell it again because I got, it was, you know, I'll tell you about how I found these teachings <laughs> and what I had to go through. Simply because, you know, I think one of the problems that we are, we have in our life right now is the degree to which we feel entitled to things. 
In order to get the transmissions that I shared with you, I had to travel 24 hours on a train, 12 hours on a bus, 12 hours sitting in the back of a Jeep, and I had to live in the digs, like, you know, proper simple digs and walk very long period of time to go and see my teacher. And I would get to see him for very short periods of time. I wouldn't be able to switch on a thing and sit and listen to him for hours and hours and hours. There was something about the hardship that was involved in getting to receive the teachings that was part of preparing ourselves for them. Because it's very convenient these days, we don't necessarily have to make the reflection on how precious they are. And then when we get meet challenges on the path, we, we, instead of knowing absolutely that this is what we have to do, and this is very much part of the work we have to do, we, we sort of, it, it starts to sting and we go, well, I don't know if that's really for me. Well, if it's not for us, then we're not ready for the journey. And if we are ready for the journey, and in our, deep inside us at a soul level, we know we want to do this work to free ourselves from suffering, then we have to be willing to work hard for it. You know, I used to have to walk to go see my teacher to do practice with him. And I had to stay in the storeroom of a Mahayana temple on the floor with like stacks of chairs in a dusty old room with almost no light. And then wake up in the morning and go and stand there, wait for him to turn up. I would stand in the courtyard waiting for him. Sometimes for three or four hours, he wouldn't even show up. <laughs> I'd just have to stand there and go, well, I suppose this is part of the teaching and just sort of do my shigong there. Like, you know, all right then. And then go back and get back in my cupboard <laughs> and get up the next day, go and see him. You know, and that's probably how it was for many, many centuries. Yeah. So maybe just make the reflection, because I want you to get the most out of this practice. And the real transformation that it's pointing at is, before we open up spiritually, it's the transformation of our character that is required to just keep turning up when we don't feel like it. And to develop the right attitude towards our practice, and to let go any sense of entitlement. You know, the fact that we have an opportunity to practice now at a time when it's so important is the most precious blessing. So honor that within yourself and honor your practice and honor yourself and honor what you, the opportunity that you're giving yourself. <clears throat> because you're going to meet things along the way that are going to challenge you greatly you will already have. These, the way that the, these practices work, it's like a, an express elevator, but there are no shortcuts, my friend. There are practices that are shortcuts where you don't but you never get the transformation. You know, there are diluted versions of these practices that have a certain degree of effect but won't put you through the alchemical transformation or the spiritual transformation that we are actually seeking. So when you take potent medicine, it heals you quickly. 
But sometimes in the process of healing, we may have healing crises, we may have all kinds of responses, the medicine is often bitter. But we know that it's healing us. So in particular, when you find something that is on the verge of feeling overwhelming, arising within you, because we're really opening up our deep our energy at a very deep level. And that's coming from our unconscious. A lot of the layers of conditioning are so hidden from us that we would never have known they were there. Now you're starting to look back and see things with more clarity that the thread that was on the Telegram group last night about um, the things that I used to just do now seem a bit bland. Yes, you know, we were satisfied to do things which are really sort of mind-numbing, but that's what we occupy ourselves with because our mind is numb. But when we start to be awake or more conscious, those things that we might have spent lots of time doing are utterly pointless to us. That does change a lot, and we need and reintegrating. How to use the space that opens up when we don't put so many meaningless things in it? We're not going to be practicing all day long. We've got to learn to embrace the simple moment and find a blissful joy in it, and that's how we become a harmless ahimsa. Because the things that I needed to add into my life to keep myself occupied are no longer harmful for myself or the world. It's every step that we take on this path benefits every aspect of ourselves and the world around us. But all those things are going to happen. What I said about dispassion as being something that arises within us before we reach a state of equanimity, that's powerful stuff. Even before we reach a stage of dispassion where... I'm okay, but yeah, that thing that I'm doing doesn't mean much to me anymore. I've got to go and find something new and meaningful. We go through a stage where we feel overwhelmed when we look at what we've been doing. And this is the truth. This is the Dhamma. What we've been doing is overwhelming. And we found a way to do it because we've re-geared our human operating system to do it. But the truth is, it's overwhelming. The second part of it is, it's actually extremely detrimental to ourselves, and it's extremely detrimental to the world around us. And we know it when we look on an aggregate, when we see what's happening as a result of the activities of human beings, we see that the activities of human beings are extremely detrimental. But when we look within ourselves from a state of numbness, it's just our life. But that's our life. We can't see how detrimental it is to us until we reclaim consciousness and feel it. So we are, you know, this is an access point. There are how long we turn in this cycle of not knowing what we're doing and blindly doing it and just getting locked into patterns of suffering and conditioning and suffering without even knowing we're doing it. So that the end of a human life is marked by a gradual loss of consciousness and spiritual consciousness. So we die completely unconsciously at the end of a human life. 
We should die completely awake to what it is we're a part of. And our last breath should be a surrendering back into where we came. But we live our lives in such a way that we involved in living that life is a gradual process of atrophy. Where old age is a process of atrophy rather than a process of maturing wisdom. And you know, the culmination and the peaking of our spiritual experience. That's what we're turning around here. What we put into the Dantian to be transformed <laughs> is all that stuff that is causing us to atrophy so that at the end of our life we're unconscious rather than fully conscious. It's not going to be pretty, my friends. It's just not, you know? Which is why you've got to find a compassion for yourself and a love for yourself. Even you've sometimes got to find a humor in the face of some of the things that we do without realizing it. You know, there's no judgment. We don't know what we're doing most of the time. And by the time we do, it's too much to even take on, so we just pretend that we don't know. Well, that's not the stance we take here. We take the stance of, I'm going to have a clear look at what it is to be a human being. I'm going to understand how it actually functions. So I know what is fuel that allows it to grow. I know how to nourish it so that it flowers and fruits and comes forth with all of its capacity. And I also understand the things that by doing it, it causes it to wilt and shrivel and wither. And I can see that, and I now and I'm informed enough to know that I can stop and should stop. You know, you might now still be in the process of, wow, this, you know, you, we're in the alchemical fire, it's cooking us through. But at least you are empowered now, where you've got eyes that can see. And if you didn't have any more teachings from me, but you looked back at everything you learned and carefully listened to them with your heart, you know what you've got to do now. You might not do it, but you do know. That means you're empowered. You know, that's a huge step. You know, to not know what to do and to be confused is to be disempowered. Now you go and really empower yourself by actually doing it. And that's when you taste the sweet fruit and go, wow, you're on the journey there. And it's putting you through what you've got to go through. Yeah. So have courage and be gentle with yourselves. And trust, trust, you know, those of you who wake up in the middle of the night and there's a storm blowing all over you and you'll feel like, wow, where's this coming from? It's coming from deep in Bawanga, deep in your unconscious, surfacing through the night as you're unpackaging, which is what sleep is meant to do. When if you are very, very numb and shut down, you're holding all that tension and conflict inside, but too numb to process it, you don't even have any dreams, or you don't wake up in the night and there's, there's just numbness. So this period of unpackaging, which might happen during your practice, and it might happen during the night, a lot of 
unsavory stuff is coming through to be put into the crucible for transformation. We spent a month creating this field of transformation, this area, this zone within ourselves where we can do this work. We could not. You can't just fill all your you know, funky stuff that's making you shake and just go and sit and put it down in your abdomen. It'll just make you unwell. You know, we've carefully built the spiritual tools to start working with this stuff. To know that when you are shaking and when it's all a bit messy, that if I have the right attitude and I bring it to the right space within myself, just to sit with my yogi's attitude, that will transform itself. And in 20 minutes, you've done the work that might have taken you years of therapy. Energetically, you've cleaned through and let go what we don't need and turned what we need into something useful. We're building the alchemical agents, which is the quality of consciousness that comes as a result of passing through the fire. You know, each time you go through a challenge and come out the other side and know you've survived, you're a little bit braver. You know, and this is how it's working at this stage of the practice. 